It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. It's a Monday up and down the West Coast. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, the irreverent from left field, John Riley. We welcome you to our Monday bonus podcast from the Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Store Studios. We got a great show planned. We are back in our normal environment, which then means a lot of other things aside from just topics on the table. John, nice to see you again. Thanks for doing all the hard work work as we were doing zooms last week <laughs> for our podcast we're ready to go but before we start we remind everybody this is your podcast we want them to join us fans forum explain to everybody on the live stream what we want what we wish Hell, what we're demanding. Okay, what we're <laughs> demanding. Yeah, Hacksaw's back in the studio, so that means we can do Fans Forum again. So um, if you have a question or a comment for Hacksaw, just type it into the live chat on Facebook or on YouTube, and we'll get you involved in the Fans Forum segment at the conclusion of Hacksaw's Headlines. And a reminder, we invite you to share. Tell everybody within your network what we're doing. Monday bonus podcast, regular Thursday podcast, and type in my address to my website. I urge you, I request, and I demand, you sample my website every day. It's an enormous amount of written material. It's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. And while you're at it, since we have no pride, we need more help, give us a thumbs up or Give us five stars because we'll accept them. John, topics on the table. Our podcast brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Nine locations to serve you in San Diego. you got projects for the fall or looking forward to the winter. You need to look at everything they have to offer at Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. John? Topic one, where do you want to go? Okay. I mean, the playoffs are going on here, but I know there's a lot of Padre news, so let's talk about our hometown baseball team. You are out in left field. You are entitled to your opinion. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong, but you're going to make the decisions for me. So the Padres have solved the internal crisis, they say. A.J. Preller, Bob Melvin, dugout, clubhouse, etc. Now the business at hand in what is now the start of the Padres offseason since they have no bleeping postseason. <laughs> what are they going to do with these guys? John, take your fan's hat off. Put your general manager's hat on. You tell me Juan Soto will have one more year left on his contract. It'll have probably a value of $33 million. Do you play out the contract and see if he... Hits superstar numbers again, which then leads to superstar salaries a year from now? Or do you try to get the deal done now? Or do you just trade them and maybe flip this back into rebuild mode? John, you're the general manager from left field in opinion. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends what you get. I've heard people say we should package a deal to get Trout from the Angels. So if they were able to get like a, a marquee guy to replace them, I'd say that's fine. That's acceptable. But they don't want, they shouldn't trade him for prospects back because we'll never get what we traded away. And I figured this guy had a sensational season in 2023. He's likely to duplicate it next year. I mean, I don't see any urgency to trade him. The other guys in the roster we can debate, but not Juan Soto. Is there an urgency to sign him to an extension right now or do you let him play out the final year of the deal? Well, it, 
Scott Boris is going to go all the way in a free agency, right? That's what he always does. If they can work a deal long term, that'd be great. You know, people said that Soto has enjoyed his time in San Diego, but it's all going to come down to dollars and cents. If this $200 million payroll thing is real, then I have a hard time understanding how they're going to make that work. On we go to the second guy, Blake Snell. Cy Young Award numbers. We've not seen these kind of numbers from a starting pitcher dating back to the Bob Gibson era. And that was a few fastballs ago. Josh Hader, same scenario. Closer of the year. What do you give Snell? What do you give Hader? Snell making 16. Hader making 13. Snell might go to 20 to 25. How long a contract do you give him? What kind of dollars do you throw into it? What do you pay Josh Hader? You're the general manager. Well, I mean, I was really disappointed with Josh Hader not wanting to do a four-out save. I mean, come on. There, there would have been some games we could have won if he would have come in in the eighth inning. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I'm prepared to turn the page on Hader, you know, provided that Suarez is ready to step up. And we got a couple of other guys like, you know, Cosgrove. Um, you know, it was pretty surprising out of the bullpen. Blake Snell is a guy, man. If you could find a way to keep him, you'd do it. Um, he was, he figured it out, you know, and I think he's in a really good spot right now. And he's a guy that we all like him personally, but his stuff is awesome. He's got a four pitch mix. It's A plus on all four of those pitches. How could you not want to keep him? So. I mean, and besides the fact Lugo and Waka are probably going to be gonzo, you're not sure what you Darvish is going to be next year. Snell is a guy I think you can count on. Okay, so what are you offering Scott Boros, general manager? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's going to require a lot, right? I mean, probably $30 million a year. Not for a pitcher. No? Not uh, for that well, pitcher. Well, that's what Kershaw gets, doesn't he? No, Kershaw's in the 22 bracket. Oh, he is? Yes. Okay, so I don't know. What's the goal? How much did— um, Snell but, made 16. Well, he'll make more than that. No, but of course. How much did Garrett Cole get? I want to say 25 to 30. Yeah. But he's been dominant year after year after year. Right. You got one summer out of Snell that was really significant. Mm -hmm. If I were king, but I'm not. You're general manager. Okay, so hey, Quit passing how, the about, buck. how about 25 mil? It's easy when it's not your money, right? 25 mil over five years. I think that sounds pretty good. Five 20, years for a pitcher? Don't 20, know. 25 million times five. So that's what? $125 million deal. I say we do that because Musgrove got 20 million times five, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Snell 25 times five. That's what I do. Okay. General manager has spoken. <laughs> and, and you are of the opinion as the general manager in left field at this hour, you're not going to be able to afford Waka, Lugo, Nick Martinez? Uh, you know, that's a tricky one because, had, again, if they have the $200 million limit, I don't see how the math works. But if you had Lugo and I mean Walker will probably get what about fifteen a year, maybe? Max. Yeah. Lugo probably in the ten. high single digits. Yeah, like maybe ten. Yeah, eight or nine, something like that. Those guys were really, really good. I mean, with the exception of Waka having that injury and he was out for like a month and a half. Those are guys because who do you have to replace them? I mean, you don't you can't count on, what's that guy, Russ uh, Kinnear? You can't count on him. You know, you've got the Robbie Snelling guy, but he's like in double A. He's not really ready for prime time. They have to have some of those guys they can plug in, third and fourth starters. So I think you've got to find a way to sign them too. But, th I mean, that's going to maybe take your payroll, $253 million. If you bring them all back, you're looking at, what, 280 290 I, I don't know how that goes. And, and who can you get rid of? Um 
I, I mean, the Hosmer deal is still on the table. I mean, he's making, what, $13 million for a couple of seasons. It's not like any salaries walking out the door unless they trade Juan Soto. Your reaction to Grisham? Is he a $5 million a year gold glove center fielder hitting 199 Is he worth more? Is he worth less? Don't you want him back? You're the general manager. You started all this. Well, I, I think we have to turn the page on him. He can't hit. I mean, we've been... We saw flashes of him when we first got him from Milwaukee, and we thought, oh, we had a home run on this deal because he's hitting better than Urias. And who was the pitcher that went in that deal? Um, Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer. And and the pitcher we got in return um, was doing way better, and I thought that was a great deal. But then suddenly he can't hit, and his his defense is fabulous. But the right move is to take Tatis, put him into center, and then find someone else to play right field. And that could be Garrett Cooper. It could be any number of guys. But you can't have a guy that's almost an automatic out in your lineup. I mean, this makes no sense. Okay. Fans form. You're a Padre fan. You're a baseball fan. Help the general manager here. I need help. Tell us what you think. <laughs> Hit us up in the chat box with an opinion or a question or a comment, fans forum, about John Riley's general manager stewardship <laughs> of the Padre roster. Let's go from that team to the next headline. Oh, my God. The Dodgers? What a colossal disaster that was in the first inning with Clayton Kershaw. Do they have hope of coming back from this? Well, they, they got game two. They got Bobby Miller, hot young guy, is going to start at Dodger Stadium. Now, I'm a little bit surprised. Lance Lynn has pitched better at Dodger Stadium than he's pitched on the road. So why would you not have Lance Lynn go game two? Series shifts to Arizona game three. Bobby Miller has not been intimidated pitching on the road. But you have to win in the second game against Arizona. Let, let me give you a question here that's going to really upset everybody on the live stream (laughs) dodger fan can you explain to me why the hell you're booing clayton kershaw why are you booing a future hall of fame pitcher who's given his life to this franchise dodger fan you would not be in the playoffs tonight were not for his 13 and 5 record and 2.46 era this season Dodger fan, this guy has given you a career record, 210 wins, 92 losses, and a 2.48 lifetime ERA, and you're booing him. (laughs) Dodger fan, yes, I understand he's 13 and 13 in the postseason. Postseason is really, really hard. I mean, if you want to boo somebody, why don't you boo Julio Urias, who got his ass kicked off the roster (laughs) over this alleged domestic abuse case? Why don't you boo Cody Bellinger, who took two years worth of big money and hit 198 and 201? Why would you ever boo Clayton Kershaw? A, I couldn't believe what I was seeing as I sat in the bar near my cottage in upstate New York when he got lit. My first fear was he was having shoulder problems and he was trying to gut it out and he got bombed. But he said, no, he just he had no velocity and he had no movement or placement on the ball. Bad outing. But Dodger fan. Oh, if you don't connect with me in fans forum, I'm going to really be upset. (laughs) Dodger fan, why would you ever boo Clayton Kershaw? You know, the Dodgers are a class organization. The Dodger way, winning way. A Dodger fan that has a history and a tradition of showing up late and leaving games early. Now it's a tradition of booing a future Hall of Famer. What the hell's wrong with you? Why would you boo him? 
I've said enough. John, stand on that side and yell at me or stand with me and yell at them. Yeah. Well, if I'm a Dodger fan, I am booing Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he got, what, one out in the first inning and he was pulled after, what was it, a walk and six or seven hits? The guy just got lit up. This is a the leader of your pitching staff for a 100-win team p- pitching at home against the Diamondbacks? Was the Diamondbacks and and he got lit up? Yes, he would. He should be booed. I mean, if I spent big money to go to that game, I have expectations the Dodgers are going to maybe win it all. Of course, I would be a booing it if I were a Dodger fan. But it's just remarkable how the Dodgers choke all the time, especially Kershaw. One of the guys on social media was saying that Dave Roberts is like the modern day Bobby Cox, you know, winning that division, you know, for a decade and and only getting the World Series a couple of times and winning it only once. But I don't know, is Kershaw done? Is he toast? Is his career over? What do you think? He's got a lot of miles on the arm. Shame on you booing this guy. You wouldn't be in the playoffs were it not for Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. He, you're, you're, you're going to sit there and you're not going to boo Julio Urias and what he did to the club, <laughs> the roster, the clubhouse, and to himself? If I'm a Dodger fan, I'm booing J.D. Martinez. I'm booing Mookie. I mean, they only scored two runs. And that, and that wasn't until like it was garbage time. So, yes. I mean, if I'm a Dodger fan, man, I'm ripping them. If, and as a Padre fan, I'm ripping them with a smile on my face. They're choke artists is what they are. You're an ingrate. You're unbelievable. (laughs) Okay, Dodger fan, you side with me or do you side with the guy out in left field, my co-host here? Let's move on. Third team here that we always talk about, pay attention to, and have been pretty critical of. Go ahead. Yeah, so the Angels, you know, are they back at Camp David trying to, like, strategize here (laughs) and come back with a plan? But... You know, they're keeping the GM. I mean, they're going to get a a manager. I've heard rumors of Buck Showalter. What are you hearing, Lee? Well, owner has not announced whether he's keeping the team or going to rethink this and sell the team. Artie Moreno needs to make a public statement of where he stands on his franchise. The fact that they've not removed Perry Manazian at this point leads me to believe he's the one that's going to lead the search for the next manager since they've decided to replace Phil Nevin. They need somebody with credibility. They need somebody with experience. They need somebody who's been there, done that, and won it. Now, they thought they had it with Joe Madden yeah. a couple of hires back, and it kind of evaporated. But injuries had a lot to do with that, and the tragic death of, of the one pitcher, Tyler Skaggs, and the drug scandal. So Buck Showalter is a winner. You know, he won 101 games last season with the New York Mets and a high payroll. He got fired this year, and result, whole team fell apart around him. All the injuries to the pitching staff more than anything else. He lost Pete Alonso, his big bat, for maybe a third of the season with injuries. Showalter brings credibility. Craig Council, Milwaukee, becomes mm. a free agent the night the World Series is over. His president and general manager, David Stearns, is already vacated to go to the Mets. Council might opt out, might just decide, let's try something different. Unbelievable track record. The guy's got credibility. I think you need to look at him. I don't think you touch Gabe Kapler. As different and unique as he is, he's been fired from the last two jobs that he's had. Hot name who's moved up the ladder, has done a lot of different roles, former Padre, worked at the front office here once he retired, now with the Chicago Cubs, had gone to Boston. So he's taken in volumes of information. Will Venable. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, It's maybe a reach... Do you want to go for somebody again that's not managed before when you got guys out there that have got awful lot of 
credibility on their resume, I'd hire Showalter. I'd hire him right now and let Showalter and Perry Manazian fix this roster, lead this roster, hope they can get this roster healthy, and by the way, spend some more of Artie Moreno's money, but let them make the decisions as to who they're going to hire. Angel fan, before you jump into fans forum, I want to hear what the guy from Left Field's got to say. Well, if if you're the Angels, I, I, I get the Buck Showalter angle. I mean, the guy's proven he's got a great track record. But if you were thinking, considering well, Will Venable, who I, I, I give him credit, he's deserving. But Phil Nevin was deserving. And, and, and there's not a big difference between those two guys. I agree. Um, and... Well, I still don't understand why Phil Nevin is the scapegoat for this whole thing because of all it wasn't his fault that Otani blew out his arm and Trout gets hit in the wrist again. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm a Nevin fan, but I was hoping he was going to stick. So if you are going to jettison Nevin out the door, I don't think Craig Council is enough. You know, you've got to bring in a Showalter or who else? Yeah, they had Joe Madden. Why didn't that work? Injuries. And Madden was a little bit offbeat. And kind of went off track. I think the losing finally got to him, and they had to just remove him just because of his approach to dealing with the adversity that he had to live with. I would hire Showalter in a minute, but give him the power to work with that general manager, and that owner stays on the golf course and just stays in his skybox, and let these two guys try to fix what's so wrong there, whether it's farm system, whether it's just the siege of injuries is unbelievable. Um, I just think they need veteran leadership. Showalter is there. If Bochi were on the market at this moment, Angels should have gone after Bochi, mm-hmm. but they did not. So that's that's where we are with the situation. Well, there. does Showalter want that job? Yes, I mean, he's publicly said in New York last Friday, "I want to manage next year." Okay, and you got the Angels, and you got Showalter's credibility, which maybe then influences Otani. Maybe, maybe. Now, unless he's bringing holy water with him, I don't know that (laughs) he can make all the injured guys, the Trouts and the Rendones of the world, stay healthy. Yeah. But they've got some young players in place who played and played okay this year. They Mm -hmm. need more. But I just think whoever's going to make the sales pitch in free agency, hi, my name is, here's my calling card with the Angel logo. Oh, yes, I am Buck Showalter. I would hire him. Angel fan, jump on uh, the chat room. Tell us what you think here in Fans Forum. Our bonus Monday podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Build it, fix it. We guarantee you will enjoy it in the fall, thanks to Dixie Line Lumber. Let's talk NFL football. NFL football. Man, did you see that game last night? Char- uh, the Niners and the Cowboys. I mean, Dak Prescott is a disaster, but boy, Brock Purdy, Purdy sure looks good. NFL's best teams. Well, I guess we should start with the 49ers. They destroyed the Cowboys offense and defense. Mm-hmm. They were dominant. I mean, you had three 49er picks of Dak Prescott. You had four quarterback sacks. They took away the run game and offensively it's Purdy, and it's McCaffrey, and it's the receiver of the night. You pick who you want. Last night it was George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Uh, Brendan Ayuk was not part of the equation last night. This is a really good 49ers team, maybe as complete a team in the NFL. Philadelphia Eagles, they can pass it. Thank you, Jalen Hurts. They can run it, Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift, and they do play defense. 
had a hell of a game against the Rams. Rams hung in there into the fourth quarter before they finally ran out of gas with Philadelphia. My goodness, they can strike from anywhere, anytime, any place. And you watch Nick Sirianni on the sidelines running up and down, screeching at everybody. He's a passion play coach. Oh, for sure. And the players really respond to him. Buffalo, they look really good, depending what Sunday of the week it is. Mm-hmm. And then they go to England, and they played so poorly getting beat by Jacksonville. I just don't understand whether it was travel, whether it was jet lag, whether they were looking past the Jaguars. But Javel jumped on them early, and Buffalo was in a hole, and Buffalo just never got back in the game. It would, to me, that was the weird income. And then, and you got Miami, you got Tua and Tyreek and Devon Ashane, uh, the rookie running back who's got a knee injury now. He's averaging twelve yards a carry. I mean, they are just killing people with their offense, and they really bounced back after getting obliterated up in Buffalo the week prior. So. To me, those are the marquee teams in the National Football League right now. Yeah, I mean, definitely the 49ers and Eagles, no doubt about it. I should say the Eagles. Um, but uh, let me ask you this. One of the que- one of the things I saw in that, that Eagles game, and they were playing the Rams, and they had like a, what was it, a fourth and one at the goal line, and the Eagles are so good at that quarterback sneak where the offensive line gets down low and the guys behind them push forward. They brotherly love shove. That's what it is. Okay, but when the Chargers tried doing something like that on fourth down, it was a complete cluster. So what's the secret to how Philadelphia does that? Physical. At the line of scrimmage. They do what, if you watch the video, and they, they showed it a couple times down on the goal line. Their offensive linemen have there's this old-fashioned term in the NFL and in football called root hog. You root hog down mm-hmm. and... I mean, they go to the ground and push their way in, which takes out the feet of the defensive linemen who are trying to come off the line of scrimmage. That's what they do. And then they send fullbacks and tight ends in there, and then the quarterback or the running back ducks in behind all that power, and they scoot in. Now, the Chargers, they don't have a physical force, violent offensive line that run blocks. And the other thing, and this is how they got the quarterback hurt, Justin Herbert's doing this alley-oop over the top. Mm. You go over the top, you can get blasted. You can get hit in the head. His case, he got hit in the left hand. They have not been able to do it. A lot of clubs in the East Coast, I think in New York or in New England, they call it the tush-push at the line of scrimmage. (laughs) Nobody's doing it successfully. Philadelphia has got a handle on it, and that's why it's the brotherly love shove. But they root hog underneath they take the legs out of the defensive linemen, and they get push, and then your quarterback is in or your running back is in. But you want to keep the dangerous part about that is there's so much crap that can happen at the bottom of the pile. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts goes down low trying to sneak in; he could get belted in the head. Nobody would ever see it. And don't tell me that junk doesn't happen in the <laughs> NFL. You know, yeah. he could have a shoulder injury because yeah. there's everybody piling into that. There's a, there's a little bit of conversation about, is this good for the NFL? Is it too dangerous a player? Should they take it out? I don't know. That's going to be debated, I think, in the offseason. But that's those are the three best teams, four best teams in the NFL right now. Well, isn't it interesting, though, that Kansas City and Cincinnati aren't on that list? A lot of reasons. 
Okay, we're going to talk next topic on the table. You lead into the next headline here, John. Okay, so here we go. Talking a little bit about the Rams and the Patriots. I mean, these two teams are having a little bit of trouble, especially New England. Well, let's talk about biggest surprises, biggest disappointments. Even though the record doesn't indicate it, the way the Rams are playing right now has been pretty impressive, and they're doing it with a ton of young people, almost an all-new offensive line. Obviously, the quarterback, Matthew Stafford, though he's taken way too many hits, uh, they've found themselves a young running back, Kyron Williams, who came from Notre Dame, was a physical force. They got Cooper Cup. They got Puka Nakua, who came from BYU. They got Kirby Higby. Suddenly, they're making plays. I mean, they hung in that game against a really good Philadelphia time team into the fourth quarter before they ran out of gas. That, to me, is a bit of a surprise that they're playing this well. You raised the question about how come Cincinnati's not on any list or Kansas City. Well, Cincinnati's got the calf injury with Joe Burrow. I mean, he he was hot yesterday through four touchdown passes, three of them to Jamar Chase. But he's not moving the pocket. He's not the player that he was the last couple of years when he drove the Bengals deep into the playoffs and, and got them to the Super Bowl. If they can keep him healthy, and the longer he goes, the healthier he gets, I think you'll see Cincinnati come back. Kansas City's a, it's not a mystery to me. I, I think there's a lot of things going on in Kansas City. They've made a lot of changes. Um, Patrick Mahomes is having to scramble more. I think they missed the left tackle, Orlando Brown, whom they let go. He went to Cincinnati. I think that's a big issue. They have all young wide receivers. I mean, all the veteran wide receivers that were difference makers— even post-Tyreek Hill era, they all went other places. Juju Schuster-Smith, things mm. like that. A lot of young guys. I see sloppy routes. I see drop passes. I see young receivers getting intimidated, running crossing routes. Like, I'm not going in there for the ball. I'll get blasted. So I, th- this is coaching. And I think they miss Eric Bieniemy's leadership because mm. Bieniemy coached those guys hard on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when they put the game plan in. And you saw how sharp they were the last prior group of years. So season's not over by any stretch of the imagination, but Kansas City right now is not Kansas City because a lot more has been dumped on the shoulders of Mahomes. And I don't think he's got the receiver core. I mean, remove Travis Kelsey because he's great. And the other tight end, I think, is emerging, Watson. But remove them from the conversation. I think each of their wide receivers has really... Let them down, and I don't think they're the same left tackle now that they had before. Now, biggest disappointment, I'd have to say Bill Belichick. I think Belichick, the general manager, has failed Belichick, the coach. You look at that roster in New England, you please tell me who the hell is a playmaker on the offensive side of the football, because I don't (laughs) see it at all. And Mac Jones has regressed, because I don't think he's got people down the field. You know, a week ago... Belichick had the worst loss in the history of his career. They beat 38-3. to Then Sunday, they get shut out 34 nothing by New Orleans. They've been <laughs> outscored 70, what is it, 72-3. to They have not had a touchdown in the last 42 possessions. Unbelievable. So I, I think Belichick's on the hot seat. And I think the general manager, Belichick, has failed the coach, Belichick. And the other one is the Raiders. And I'll ask this question. Is Josh McDaniels a reliable head coach? Because we're seeing the same stuff in Vegas with the Raiders that we saw with Josh McDaniels and the Broncos. We Mm -hmm. haven't seen a ton of success. And they keep changing parts. And, 
you know, Mark Davis always signs the shiny figure out there. This guy's going to solve everything. It hasn't happened. Poor Devontae Adams is left there by himself. The running back, Josh Jacobs, has not had a breakout game yet. The, the you know, end result of the long holdout. And then you, you know, add into the conversation the whole situation where their offensive line is poor, their defense outside of Max Crosby is really substandard. The secondary is doesn't tackle very well. I don't know Lemon Daniels is an NFL head coach. As a head coach, he might be a pretty good offensive coordinator, but I don't think he's a quality mm-hmm. head coach. So you tell me, agree or disagree with me, the Rams, a big surprise. Your thoughts on the Patriots, your thoughts on the Raiders. Yeah, the Rams are a surprise. I'll give you that, even though they lost to Philly. Because they, they come up with all these other receivers, and I forgot about Higby. And then the, the kid from BYU who has a name that I can never quite remember. Puka. Puka. I mean, that kid is incredible. I mean, yeah. he's had a really nice start to this season. Um, you know, the Raiders, and we're going to see him tonight, right? They're playing the Packers. You know, it was a team that you didn't mention or the Detroit Lions. And, you know, John Howard over at CBS 8, he thinks they're going to go to the Super Bowl for the first time in Lions history. What do you think of that? I think that's a little bit of a reach, but they're making progress. They've mm-hmm. made great progress. They're losing players, though. I mean, they've lost a starter three straight games on the defensive side with injuries. Um, I think they're good. I think they really play street ball. And they're really a tough football team. But in terms of being Detroit equal to... Frisco, Philly, Miami, nah, not yet. <laughs> but it, it's a nice sentiment that, that what they've done there in Detroit, what Dan Campbell has done in three years, that's a pretty good flip. Hey, listen, we get to halftime here. Program reminder, if you like what we're talking about, even if you don't like what we're talking about, join us right at the end. John, explain to everybody on our live stream, fans form and subscribing. Okay, so yeah, you, you can get Hacksaw's podcast wherever you get your podcast. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And by the way, Apple is the one where you can leave the five-star review if you choose to do that, um, if you think we deserve it. Uh, but be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow, Like, follow, share, and subscribe all the social media platforms. And yeah, the Fans Forum is getting going here. We've already got Chris and Christopher, John, um, already in line. So if you've got more questions and comments for Hacksaw, Type them into the live chat on Facebook or on YouTube. And a reminder, inform everybody what we're doing. Monday bonus podcast, inform them about our Thursday podcast, and check my website, leehacksawhamilton.com. Absolute ton of information that I write. Every day I post it late in the evening. It's there late by 10 p.m. It's there first thing in the morning, leehacksawhamilton.com. We get to halftime. Let me remind you, and John can chime in on this, we become really good friends with the people at Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Mm-hmm. There's nine locations to serve you in San Diego. And if you got projects for the fall, inside or outside, you got projects planned for the winter, and you need supplies, you want information, how to do this, where do I go to get this? this you need dixie line lumber john you know dixie line has been in san diego for over a hundred years i mean that's incredible i mean if you roll the clock back to the early part of the 20th century when all this housing development was built here dixie line lumber supplied it all that lumber and so when you look at the history of the company and the history of san diego they kind of follow a similar path so yeah they're great guys over there and and they'll take care of you it's a lot different than some of the other big box stores where you know the customer service is excellent at dixie line and their lumber is top notch way better than what you can get in the big boxes and a reminder go to their website dixieline.com just check out all the values they have for your fall 
and Winter Projects, Dixie Line, Lumber, and Home Center stores. We move on to the second half of our Monday bonus podcast. And as excited as we are with each of the matchups on the weekends in the NFL, we're saluting the passing of an icon. Yeah, Dick Butkus. I mean, wow. I mean, this guy is the legend of all legends. Lee, you, you've probably seen him like in Soldier Field back in the day. I've interviewed him a couple of times. What a great linebacker. He was Chicago's son. He was a, from Illinois, played for the Fighting Illini, Drafted by George Hallis. In fact, he was drafted the same year Gail Sayers was drafted by the Chicago Bears. And here's the most stunning statistic. Two of the greatest players of the NFL of that era, they never made a playoff game. Never. Wow. In their whole career in the National Football League. He changed the inside linebacker position. Now, granted, there were inside linebackers in the era of the 50s and 60s that were pretty good. It was an old guy in Philadelphia by the name of Chuck Bednarik. Hmm. Charlie Cement, they called him. He was <laughs> rugged. And Sam Huff. Uh, CBS did a documentary on him, mm-hmm. The Violent World of Sam Huff. He was a fine player with the New York Giants and at the end with the Washington Redskins. But this guy changed the game. He was big. He was fast. He was fierce. He combined intelligence size, strength, and speed. And he'd go chase you down and he would hit you. He had a personality that was just nobody had ever seen. He was the first of the modern-day great inside linebackers. What Butkus did then became the the blueprint for Jack Lambert. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody thought linebackers inside, linebackers outside would need roaring speed, And that brought us Lawrence Taylor and then so many others. He was a personality, played, made eight Pro Bowls in nine years, suffered a devastating injury, career was over with a snap of his fingers. Transition from modern-day mayhem in football to TV. And he was unique, and he was really different, and he was verbose. He was just a new breed of football player. I interviewed him twice when he was a TV guy. In mm-hmm. the movies and on these shows, etc. <laughs> and the one, when we talked about his ferocity as a player, and the one comment I'll never forget, he said, I don't intentionally go out to hurt anybody, even though NFL Films shows all these unbelievable hits. I don't hurt anybody unless it's an important game. <laughs> so we say goodbye. He was special. He was age 80. He passed in his sleep. But what a, what a performer on the field and on your TV. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, and I was trying to figure out, you know, when he played. I went back and looked at the football reference online, and I think he got started in the mid-60s, mm-hmm. finished up in 73. What, what was the injury that finally took him he out? had a major knee injury. And this was before sports medicine became sports medicine, but it was the end of his career with a snap of his fingers. And you know, it was kind of like Gail Sayers. He had a catastrophic knee yeah. injury and just wasn't ever quite the same Again, but boy, he was fierce. The monster of the midway. Indeed. I mean, he's like the marquee guy, but isn't it kind of funny that the, the guy that was so ferocious has the has the name Butkus, <laughs> which is all kind of like funny as, as a result. But yeah, I just remember like when I started understanding him, I was just you know, a wee lad back in the 70s, but I remember seeing him on TV a lot. I think he was in all of those Miller Lite commercials, yeah. right? Yeah, well, and Billy Martin. Yeah. So what a guy though. And yeah, still revered in Chicago and and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough week here for the Bears fans because, yeah, he's an icon. 
On we go. From pro football, let's talk about college football. i got a strange sentiment to explain this. Go ahead. Yeah, so the Pac-12 is we're now in deep into Pac-12 play. We're seeing a lot of these year-of-the-quarterback guys <laughs> facing off against one another. I mean, what are you seeing, Lee? Well, it was weird because I watched in depth the USC game against Arizona, and I was absolutely stunned. Arizona had them on the ropes, had a 17-0 lead, just couldn't play four quarters, and I mean, it's obvious that Caleb Williams is is the lead guy again for the Heisman Trophy, though he struggled. His offensive line wasn't very good. But the thing that drove home, it's just the sentiment. I got really sad right towards the end of the USC game. I thought to myself, look at all these Pac-12 ranked teams, and this is the farewell tour. There won't be a Pac-12 next season. And and you look at the conference, the, the quality of play and the athletes and the brand of quarterbacks at most all these places in the Pac-12. And this is a one-and-done thing because they're going to be gone. They're going to be off to a degree off our radar next year. But yeah, Caleb Williams, phenomenal USC offense, no defense at all. Uh, The quarterback at Arizona uh, threw five touchdown passes against a Trojan defense. Arizona had 506 yards against USC. So (laughs) USC may be all glitter on offense. They're a disaster on defense. UCLA, phenomenal come-from-behind game against Washington State. They had their hands full. They won with their defense. They also won with a freshman quarterback. Dante Moore threw for 290 yards. Freshman. So we're talking two great quarterbacks in the Los Angeles market. This weekend, you tell the wife, don't. Text me. Don't walk in the room. <laughs> don't bother me. You got Oregon. You got Washington on Saturday. You got nice. Bonix. You got Michael Penix on Saturday. And just think of what the Ducks program is and how Penix has led the Huskies back to a national ranking. They're going to play each other. So you got that game. Washington State's got the hot young quarterback, Cam Ward, who he's kind of doing it by himself, but boy, does he compete. Uh, Oregon State, it's got DGU Iagalele, the Clemson transfer. He's getting them down the field. The guys, they got five wins already. And they got Coach Prime and his staff. What a job they've done constructing this roster week by week. They may have played the toughest front end schedule of anybody in college football. They have really proven themselves. So you got Coach Prime and everything about the aura of Colorado. So excited to see Pac 12 quarterbacks, the yearly quarterback, saddened to see. This is one and done. They're all going to be gone next year. Yeah, it's it's just a disgrace, really. I mean, because you can understand, like, maybe Oklahoma and Texas bailing to go to the SEC. I kind of get that. But the Big 12 Conference didn't implode like the Pac-12 has. And the history, I mean, going back forever, and I just remember Pac-12, Big 10, Rose Bowl, and how big that was. And it's like it's just it's like disintegrating out here on the West Coast. And, yeah, those teams will be in other conferences. But I'm still curious to find out what's going to come of this. Does Washington State, Oregon State, do they have any juice being the Pac-2? Is there anything left for them there? Can they rebuild it? But, I mean, it's massive failed leadership that got us here. Yeah, it's really sad. But you're the quarterback. This has been a fun group of guys to watch every Saturday. Okay, let's go from college football to hoops. Hoops, yeah, we're getting started here. The preseason games are going, and now you've got news on James Harden. 
Yeah, this is interesting because it's been quiet for months and the Clippers had stepped away from any talks and Philadelphia couldn't get the price they wanted. They told James Harden, you owe us a year, come to camp. He blew off media day, finally came to camp, didn't talk to the media. Now he's talking to the media. I don't think he's going to play in the preseason games. They don't want to get him hurt. I've been told from NBA network people that I deal with that the Clippers have reopened trade talks with him. Clippers are trying to find a third team to get involved in a trade that would involve swapping veterans or draft picks or swapping of first-round picks so they could make this deal work because the Clippers don't want to tear their whole roster down just to go get the third guy in the equation, although I think the Clippers have got three in the equation already with with Kawhi, with Paul, George, and with Russell Westbrook. But evidently, they are talking again, and that's why Harden is not playing in any of these Philadelphia preseason games. Uh, but they need a third team that's going to jump into the water with them and is willing to trade or take on contracts and trade number one picks or possibly flip-flop somebody's number one picks to make this deal work. I was told Philadelphia wants L.A.'s number one. They want young guard Terrence Mann. Mm. They want a veteran player from L.A. They want a number one from a a third team in the equation and maybe another player. So that's where we are right now. But, you know... I guess the question I'll ask, I'll Excuse ask me. everybody in fans forum, you're a Clipper fan, an NBA fan, do you want him on your team? Do you want James Harden, who's talked his way at Oklahoma City, Houston, Boston, Brooklyn, created all this chaos now in Philadelphia? Do you want James Harden part of your team chemistry? Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, at this point, healthy. Uh, they played 15 minutes each in the preseason game, the debut game in Hawaii. Clippers have said, everybody's going to play. We're going to be ready for the start of the season. We're not holding anybody back. Is there an injury risk? Yeah, but there's an injury risk if they play in the regular season and get hurt again, which they have an enormous amount of games that they have missed. So do you want James Harden wearing Clipper colors? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they make it work. Now, it seems like Russell Westbrook has a role there where he was kind of like a fifth wheel with the Lakers. It didn't work. But given that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have such difficulty with injuries, what's James Harden's track record there? Is he a delicate flower, too, that's going to break down in the middle of the season? No, he's not a flower. Mm -hmm. He's kind of feisty, and he plays all the time. But the offense has to run through him because he's got the ball in his hands all the time. Statistically, his numbers have dropped a little bit. Maybe that's a byproduct of having gone to new systems so many times in so many years. I still think there's talent, but I also think there's toxic talent that comes with him. There's a whole bunch of baggage because every place he's been prior that he hasn't done a good job. You want him on the Clipper roster? Well, the Clippers need to do something because what they've done so far never seems to work. So, you know, maybe if they got Harden in there and he kind of found a role like the way Westbrook did, and and then hopefully Kawhi and Paul George stay healthy, then it could work. But it is playing with dynamite here, you know? It could explode in your face with Harden, because he's Mr. Disgruntled, and he's going to want to go somewhere else next year. He's running out of places to go. Yeah, he is. The fact that he did not get traded this summer, that should be a message to him. Okay, from basketball, last topic on this table, we're talking hockey. Hockey, you know, this is, again, October is a great sports month. you got the MLB playoffs, football's cooking, and the NBA and the NHL get started. And here we go with the Ducks. Uh, Ducks opener season, the end of this week. Next week, the goals open their AHL season. Uh, The Ducks can't get out from beneath the black cloud of problems, and now it's injuries. 
You know, they paid $25 million to get Alex Kalorn from the Tampa Bay Lightning as an unrestricted free agent, and he goes out with a fractured hand last week. He's gone six to eight weeks. That's a big blow. Already without their checking center Iceman, third-line guy Isaac Lundestrom, gone for the year, ruptured Achilles. Chase DeLeo, the captain of the San Diego Gulls, he's gone eight weeks. He got knee-checked by an L.A. Kings player last week. Hmm. Pretty significant knee sprain. The NHL only suspended the Kings player for four games. Chase DeLeo, who looked like he had made the Ducks roster as a checking center, if not, he'd be the captain of the Gulls. He's gone eight weeks, and the guy that hit him only got four games. That's kind of tacky. At the end result, the team we expected the Gulls to get is not here yet. Number one pick, the Swedish rookie Leo Carlson is going to stay in Anaheim. He's going to play at age 18 with the Ducks. He's been that impressive. Surprise to me, two of the top young defensemen, high draft picks, that I thought were coming to San Diego. Uh, Pavel Mnukov, Jason Lacombe, a college star. They're still in Anaheim. Final cuts are coming this week. They may start the season with the Ducks rather than down here with the Gulls. Uh, they did send another one of the young defensemen, Olin Zellweger, really good kid from Western Canada. He's starting a season down here. The unique thing, because the Ducks have taken a whole bunch of the young guys up, the Gulls have got six NHL veterans, a couple of them defensemen, down here, and American Hockey League veterans down here. Hmm. They may have as old an opening night roster as anybody because the Ducks are so impressed with Leo Carlson and Mint Yulkoff, uh, and and the other young pups, they're going to start the season with a, a really young group of players learning on the job. So we'll see how long that goes or whether some of those kids wind up coming back down here. So the Ducks, poor Ducks, they got all these injuries. <laughs> and the Gulls, not what I thought they were going to have to start the season because at one point we thought they were going to have five NHL def- young NHL prospect defensemen here plus Leo Carlson. But three of them now are up with the big club. But the goals have got all this experience that's shown up. you got NHL veterans going to wear San Diego colors for the first home game of the season a week from Friday. So fascinating to see where this whole thing goes. Yeah, that's a good strategy to have a lot of veterans there waiting in the wings that you can bring up, you know, to fill in holes. But I'm curious to see how these rookies do. I mean, Carlson, you know, Connor Bedard, you know, they're force feeding all these kids 18 years old. They barely shave and they're going to get knocked around on the ice. I mean, I'm curious to see if they can survive and play at that highest level. Well, all those high number one picks, they're going to be on opening night NHL rosters. NHL season kicks in Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Okay, we've told you what we think. Your turn to join us now with our fans forum. And again, John, just quickly explain how this works, how people can come in and co-host with us. Okay, so yeah, you can get involved. Just leave your comment or question for Hacksaw in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll get we'll bring you in here to fans forum. And you got a question on the Padres? Why are you booing if you're a Dodger fan? What should the Angels do? You got NFL football, we got basketball, we got hockey to talk about, and you have my permission to yell at the interim general manager of the Padres from left field, John Riley. John, pick some <laughs> questions. Let's fire away. All right. This is from Chris. He says, give Hater a swift kick in the ass. Let him walk. Well, yeah, you could let him walk. And I, I, I was peeved at his approach towards the end of the season and usage and all that. I, I just don't buy the theory that I can't go get four outs. Now, I understand not throwing three days in a row. 
But there were times where they desperately needed him, and either he did not want to do it or they elected not to go to him. And last I checked, they could have used him because they should be in the wild card round or in the second round, and they're not. But you let him go, you're putting an awful lot at the front door of Robert Suarez that he can do this and stay healthy. He's shown flashes, but he also got hurt. Yeah, remember back in the day, like Raleigh Fingers, Goose Gossage, they go two, three innings, right, to close out games. They were converted starters. This is a whole different era. It is a different era. So these all these one-inning guys. But, man, if, if you're a hater and you're putting limits on when you're available, and I'm only good for three outs in the ninth inning— that's not being a team guy, you know, and it's not like Bob Melvin's going to abuse him and roll him out there for two innings every game. I so I to me that's just really disappointing. So I think you got to turn the page because you got to cut payroll somewhere if you're going to sign Soto or if you're going to hit this two hundred million dollar magic number they've been talking about. Hater seems like the first guy that you need to leave, and and he's even his Instagram post, you could already see that he he knows his time in San Diego is done. Yeah, I was offended. Padre fans, I think, should be offended over the way he handled the situation. So, John Riley, interim general manager, just cleared thirteen million dollars <laughs> off the payroll. Uh, next question. Okay, here we go. This is from John. He says Scott Boris won't let Soto sign before he hits free agency. Sign Snell and hope to win a championship with Soto while he's in San Diego. Understand, though, who you're dealing with when you're dealing with Blake Snell's agent? Scott Boris. You got got money here, you got money there. Boris is going to extract his pound of dollars in flesh from the pottery organization. I would make him an offer. And John and I have argued back and forth this over coffee a couple times. (laughs) I would offer him the pay bump from 16 mil to, say, 22 and $3 million in incentives. If he has another banner season, he's going to get to twenty-five. Yeah. And I would do that on a three-year deal. Dummy here in left field said, <laughs> give a pitcher five-year contract. Well, Musgrove got five. Well, I wouldn't do that. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, that that's where we are with Snell. I'd, I'd make the pitch and try to make it now. But as John just indicated, you got to go through Scott Boros, and that usually means Scott Boros is waiting for the green flag to drop on free agency the night after the World Series is over. But you make the pitch now. And if Snell has openly said, oh, this was great, nice experience, well, anything's better than pitching in Tampa Bay in the Suncoast Dome <laughs> and sellouts here and right. your personality everybody kind of likes and you found yourself. Don't you owe San Diego something for the fact they helped you resurrect your career? Or am I being Pollyanna? Show me the money. Show me the money, man. That's what it's all about. So these guys are going to try to maximize their value, and you can't blame them for doing that. Now, if they feel like that they're going to get a sweet deal from San Diego, and San Diego's really prepared to pony up. They're so close. Yeah, they are so close. The, the team is so close. And if if Seidler is willing to put it all on the table, maybe you take it. But if you're Soto, if you're Snell— you have to play the market because you got to let these other teams bid against each other and drive the price up. I mean, it, if he, even if they sign, if Soto signed this offseason, which we would hope he would, but by the fa- next year, everything's going to be even more expensive. We're seeing that when we go out to the grocery store, everything's more expensive. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think Scott Boris is going to maximize these guys. It's wishful thinking for Padres that they're going to sign Soto one year early. But I think. I think, you know, we've got a lot of other Soto clients on the Padre roster. So maybe you bring in uh, a lot of other, yeah, Scott Boris clients on the Padre roster. Maybe you bring those guys in and you just work a deal. Um, 
Padres got to keep some of these core players. You're the general manager. You you just told Boros, take your guy out on the open market. Well, how could you do that? Well, he needs to maximize his value. That's what that's in, in Soto's best interest. I, so I don't blame them for doing that. I don't think Blake Snell owes San Diego anything. Blake Snell got paid what he was owed. But um, in these cases, you don't blame them for trying the market, maximizing their value. You're just hopeful that they want to stay in San Diego. And how often do free agents re-sign with their original team. It's pretty rare, isn't it? Sometimes, but sometimes not. Mm -hmm. Loyalty. like uh, Is that word still in the dictionary? Yeah, loyalty is out the window because those teams will cut the player faster than than you can blink if they need to. But they're guaranteed contracts. You cut them, you cut them. He gets paid. He goes somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, next question. Okay, let's move on down. This This is from Chris. He says, Dodger fan here. They know they are toast. We knocked them out last year. This year, it's D-backs knocking them out. Well, Arizona's got to prove that they've got enough pitching beyond Zach Gallen. I mean, I was shocked. Kershaw was shell-shocked that this happened. But spin back to my original premise. Why the hell would you boo somebody who's going to be a Hall of Famer for all the things he's done in the community, what he's done on the mound at Dodger Stadium, and what it represents? I... I'm offended that Dodger fans would boo Clayton Kershaw for a bad outing. I'm not going to yell at you, but you <laughs> dumbass saying you'd boo him too. Yeah, Jeez, I would. John. You, you, you're, you're, not, you're offended that they were not offended? I get all confused by the logic. Kershaw blew it. Kershaw choked. Kershaw wilted in the moment again in the playoffs. Absolutely should be booed. I mean, it's we're 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 so, I'm saying we San Diego fans generally are soft, right? So I I like it when you know we step up and we demand a high standard of excellence. And LA fans should be doing the same. I mean, we keep stroking you know Dave Roberts and and Friedman and all that whole team there because of the management and how good they've done. And when their players choke job, they should be booed, just like we're booing Machado when he has a down year. I haven't heard anybody booing Machado. I haven't seen that at Pitco Park. I, oh, you, you should know. read the social media comments. That social it, media is yeah. one thing. I'm talking about fans in the stands booing the crap out of a future Hall of Fame pitcher. You know, uh, people here, should have, I thought, should have booed Machado just for his whole... Read the back of my baseball card. <laughs> well, the back of your baseball card, you don't want to get me started on this today, no, do you? No, no, I don't. The back of the baseball card says, yeah, you were the leader of two of the worst collapsing seasons in Padre history, 23 and 21. Oof. That's what the back of your baseball card should say, yeah. in addition to all the glorified statistics that you earned. Okay, let's move on. Next question. Okay, this one's from Emmanuel. He says, Welcome back to the studio, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. So, yeah, how was your trip? My trip was great. I got to experience a beautiful fall at my cottage way in upstate New York near the Canadian border. And I was there in the final hours of fall before winter arrived. Winter arrives in upstate New York, October 8th. It was 39 degrees and raining sideways when I packed my car to leave my cottage to go to the airport way down in central New York and Syracuse. So I had a good time. And the fact that this guy was able to execute us doing two Zooms as part of a podcast, hats off to him. We now, made it work. On we go. Next question so I can yell at him again. Okay. This is from Steve Botsford. He says, Harden is nothing more than a cancer. It's a definite no. Uh, there's no doubt he's a player. And maybe if he's surrounded by other good players, that this could be a championship team. But boy, to me, all honesty, Steve, I think he's toxic. 
And I, I, I don't know if I'd call it greed, but there's just something different when he's on the floor that everything has to run through him all the time. And all you need to do is you just need to track back and look at the places he's been recently and how ugly it all finished up in each of those locales. Now, if you could rent him, he's only got one year to go on his contract. If you rent him for one year without having to give up the house, you know, maybe Philadelphia doesn't have any leverage now. Either they keep the toxic player or they trade the toxic player to you, but they're not going to get mega talent for him. If you could get them at an affordable price, maybe you take the gamble. Because obviously the NBA is all about everybody's got to have three stars now. Yeah. What just happened in Milwaukee, followed by what just happened in Boston, what's going on down in Phoenix. If the, if the Clippers can get that third wheel and it's Harden, and he can play the system under Tyrone Lou, and you can get him an affordable price for one year at least, maybe you do it. But he's right. We're talking toxic here. Yeah, well, the Clippers fans don't like this idea. Here's a comment from Chris, and he says, Harden is such a diva, a crybaby, so sick of his juvenile attitude. Yeah, he can stand in line with Kyrie Irving and a few others. You know, Westbrook, <laughs> Westbrook had that banner kind of wrapped around his shoulders, too, because all the places Westbrook had been, and now he talked his way out of here, there, and everywhere and, and got moved. Now, Westbrook, maybe his eyes opened because he sure was a different player when he went across the hallway from the Lakers and put on the Clipper colors. And we'll see if Westbrook can follow that up again as he's moving to the twilight of his career. It is interesting how many I mean, Clipper fans are responding and say, no, nah, don't like that diva. No, don't like him. Here's Steve has another comment here, but this is about the Ducks. So I wanted to get it in. Will the Ducks be any better than last year? I would say a long season is ahead. Yeah, I tend to think so, um, especially if they're, if they're going to play the kids. And, you know, if, if they're keeping Leo Carlson up there at age 18, and now they've decided to at least open the season with two of the top young defensemen, uh, Min Yukov, who played in the Ontario Hockey League, is a great offensive player, but very young, especially on the defensive end. And Lacombe, who was a college hockey star and, and played very briefly. Uh, here at the end of last season with the goals. If they're keeping all those young guys up there to start the season, that means, A, they got talent coming, but, B, they're going to have to go through a learning curve. That's why, as weird as it sounds, if you look at the goals roster come opening night a week from now and you see guys like Colton White and a few of these other, these are veteran NHL guys who right are on the fringe of being serviceable NHL guys, but they're starting down here. Well, that experience... That's huge for a young hockey team in the American Hockey League. You don't find very many AHL rosters because I kind of study all this. I'm a hockey hockey deviant. <laughs> I study all this. You don't find AHL rosters now stacked with a lot of veteran guys. So yeah. if, if the goals open a week from now and they got six NHLer and AHL veteran guys who can play in this league, they're going to come out of the gates quick now. Up top, we'll see, have to see what Anaheim does. If they get off to a, a rugged start, and I think they will, because outside of Troy Terry, I don't think there's a ton of firepower there, and poor John Gibson. Mm-hmm. They've improved the defense in front of John Gibson. But if they get off to a really slow start and they find out that, that Mint Yukov and Lacombe are a little bit overwhelmed, they'll be back here pretty doggone quickly. So, so it'll be interesting to see, but the goals will have a, a bit of a different roster than I expected them to have, but it's it's a roster loaded 
with guys with lots of experience. And in the American Hockey League, it's a very young developmental league now. You don't see four to five NHL guys or four veteran AHL guys on a roster. Well, first of all, do you think the Ducks are going to be over 500? And how do you think the Kings are going to do this year? I think Kings are really good. Kings are loaded. Rob Blake has done such a great job maneuvering around the salary cap. You know, he made he made the huge trade with Winnipeg in the summer that got Pierre-Luc Dubois. And you got Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. You still got Drew Doughty. They went into the marketplace, added some more defense. I, I think the Kings might be a little suspect in goal. There is no John Quick anymore. He's now with the New York Rangers, as weird as that sounds. But I think Kings are going to be really good in the Pacific Division. The Ducks, probably another high draft pick or two. And we'll see. They've had so many high picks, and they're stockpiling them now in San Diego for the most part. See how quickly these kids can get to the NHL level. Okay. So, hey, can we get some social media comments in here? Oh, these people. These we, pe- heard about, <laughs> we heard about what was on social media. I think you might want to duck under the desk here because uh, I think there'll be some bullets flying. Yeah, there will. Here's Let's go to hear the Charger comment. This is from Doug. He says, the Spanos have tried their whole lives to hire a good coach, and when they did, they fired him. Good luck, Spanos. You guys are a joke. The Spanos are all caught up in the bling bling it's the little things that win championships and they're oblivious to that they've stockpiled all this young talent and it's not playing real well together right now and now they now they got injury issues again um i will say this this whole jc jackson thing and we talked about this with the cornerback that they signed to the 82 million dollar contract and gave up on after he played nine games i was told today that jc jackson was a real problem he refused to go in a game He had lost his starting job to Michael Davis. He refused to go in a game after Davis got hurt, and that ended the relationship. And then promptly he got deactivated for the next two games, (laughs) and then bingo, he's on a plane going to New England. So take your bad attitude, your inability to play, just your whole approach to being, quote, a team guy. Take all that. Landon Foxborough, good luck playing for Belichick's team that is a real mess. You know, but at the same time, who's to blame for this? You blame John Spanos. Blame Tom Telesco. You blame Brandon Staley. You didn't do due diligence on this guy that he can't play press coverage. He was horrific. There's a, there's a group that does all the statistical analysis. It's like metrics for the National Football League. Mm-hmm. The quarterback percentage or quarterback rating when they threw at J.C. Jackson, the quarterback's rating was 149. <laughs> it's absolutely phenomenal. It completed like 76% of his passes. When they threw at J.C. Jackson, completion, completion, completion. Well, you know, one of the, one of the guys in the Instagram that was like, he was, we, we did that video, you know, about J.C. Jackson, who's to blame and all that. And one of these fans was getting on your case. He was saying, well, yeah, Hacksaw, you're, you're blaming him now, but where were you when the Chargers signed him? You probably were applauding that. But I remember we were sitting down saying, that's a hell of a lot of money for that guy. Yeah. Now, granted, he had 25 interceptions in New England. We get here and we find out they, he's playing a radically different defense. It's not how they play press coverage in New England. <laughs> and he was lost. You need a traffic cop out there with the orange sleeves directing traffic. Because guys are running open routes against J.C. Jackson. And his first two games, I said, holy cow, where is this guy? And then he got hurt. He had the knee injury, which was significant. He comes back, and he still isn't playing well. And 
all the all the bleep and bravado I can play, and I need <laughs> I'm on the practice field, and I'm going to meetings, and he didn't want to take any criticism. Well, crap, posing quarterbacks with a 149 rating when they throw at you. That's terrible, terrible, and and they had to eat a big deal, you know, a lot well, they of money. Paid eight million dollars of this year's contract to get them off the books. Yeah, someone should lose their job over that. I mean, that's insane. So anyhow, I thought it was a good acquisition. They screwed up. Don't blame me. How could they not see this guy couldn't play that type of coverage that Brandon Staley wanted to play? That's on them. And you're right, the Spanos people, no clue at all. <laughs> on we go. <laughs> on we go. All right, let's uh, let's get some Dodger comments here. This is from Mario. And uh, yeah, he says, John, he's talking about me here. John is able to see the future as the Dodgers are getting blown out in game one. Kershaw cannot even get out of the first inning. It happens. It happens to a lot of people. <laughs> uh, but how dare you boo a guy you would not be in the playoffs were it not for his gritty starts going 13 and 5. When everybody's ERA is over 4, and this guy had a 2.46 ERA pitching through shoulder and back problems. And how do you boo a Hall of Famer who's got 210 career wins? Dodger fan, shame on you. Yeah, you boo a guy when they have a terrible performance in the biggest game of the year. And and Kershaw just choked it. Here's another Kershaw comment. Um, and this one's from Ruth and says, Heck no, I love my Dodgers. And I knew going into the playoffs, we didn't have a shot, Lee. Thanks for the kind words. Can't stand the Padres and their fans most of the time, but sucks to settle for only winning the division. Phillies or Braves will represent the National League. They are the best. We have no pitching. Kirsch needs to retire. Send us over Snell. That'd be cool. Been watching you for years, Hacksaw. Well, I, I feel bad for Kershaw if this is the end, but he's been a stand-up guy. He's been a quality person in addition to being a Hall of Fame pitcher, so we'll just leave it at that. It will be interesting, though, because I think we all know once the World Series is over, what's next? Bids on Otani, showtime in L.A. Uh, now, he won't be a pitcher next season, but, geez, if you add Otani's bat to the lineup that includes Mookie and Freddie Freeman and the Fountain of Youth, J.D. Martinez, and mm-hmm. you're going to get Gavin Lux back at shortstop. Dodgers would be pretty good. And it, as, as disappointing and as battered as they are with their pitching staff, please understand, they got four young starting pitchers on that roster in the playoffs, led, obviously, uh, by Bobby Miller, who's done really well, and M. Sheehan, who's had some good outings. And the Pepe old kid has had the back end of the schedule once he got healthy. He's been pretty competitive, and he's really young and raw. And then you got Michael Grove. I mean, they got a lot of pitchers coming. So they'll make the transition. I'm sick about what Urias did. Oh, I mean, God, he, yeah. he betrayed the clubhouse, the dugout, the manager, his teammates. How stupid are you to do this at that point of the season? And now he's, I don't know what's going to happen. He's not been charged yet. But he's missed the most important point of the season. And with the Dodger bats, had Julio been there with Kershaw, with Bobby Miller, and whatever they get out of Lance Lynn, that would have been a pretty competitive pitching staff. And now it's it's just been obliterated just be, because of what's happened. Well, do you think uh, start of next season, does uh, Walker Bueller and Dustin May, do you think they start the beginning of the year? Green light go. Yeah, because those guys were lights out. I mean, oh. I mean, I mean, Bueller has a track record. May is still young, but May would throw that two-seam fastball like at 101 miles an hour, and it would break like 18 inches. I mean, those, those guys are wicked. Yeah. You know, lost in all the conversation and the frustration of whatever happened to Kershaw, what Julio did to himself and the kid pitchers 
is the fact that Bueller and Dustin May are out there on the horizon and Bueller shut himself down because he wasn't ready. He says, I'm not going to force it. I'll be there in spring training. And Dustin May will be somewhere in the middle of that season. He'll be there too. So, I mean, the Dodgers have something great ahead of them. Okay, a couple more here before we wrap it up. All right, let's get a Mountain West comment here. And this is from Olivia. It says, it's funny that you all say, so sorry, Air Force Colorado State is leaving. But the fact is that Wyoming Colorado State has been a rivalry game longer than any other teams in the Mountain West. What a war. <laughs> I think it stinks when all you want uh, to come in and disrupt the Mountain West, which is doing just fine in, in my own estimation. Take care of your own house, Pac-12. You couldn't get the job done. Go away. Well, the greed destroyed the Pac-12. The leadership destroyed the Pac-12. If Oregon State, Washington State came here to the Mountain West, this would really be a good conference, football conference. Uh, now, would it would it be a Power 5 conference? I don't think the NCAA or the College Football Playoff Committee would view them as a Power 5, but that'd be really good football if those two guys joined the Aztecs in Boise State and what Air Force has accomplished. I mean, Wyoming beat Fresno on Saturday, punched him in the mouth. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Now, it's in Laramie. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're bashing everybody going up the high altitude. I mean, this is a a really good football conference, granted substandard season at San Diego State. And Boise's been a little bit up and down. So um, if you could add the Beavers and the Cougars to what we have here. That'd be a really fun conference. Yeah, and I, and basketball too. I mean, yeah. not just because of the Aztecs going the, to the final, well, the championship game, but there have been a lot of really good Mountain West programs in basketball, although they choke in the big dance, it seems like, every year. I'm hopeful that they'll figure something out because I would hate to have the Pac-2 dissolve and then there's nothing. You know, hopefully they can retain that Power 5 and they can rebuild and this could be the opportunity for some of these Mountain West teams to get up on the big stage. I just hope it works out that way. Exit fees. That's the that's <laughs> the two biggest words. Yeah. How are you going to handle the exit fees that the Mountain West schools all agreed to tough tough call hey listen we hope you have enjoyed our monday bonus podcast did we cover a few topics on the table damn right we did i <laughs> uh, want you to check our website leehacksawhamilton.com tell your friends want you to share and subscribe to what we do because we put a lot of stuff up uh on our youtube channel on a day-by-day basis john I have enjoyed this, even though you're wrong. You could argue with me. I'm a talk show host, but you're wrong. That's okay. Going to be fun. See where the playoffs go this week. We, of course, will be back in here come Thursday. Well, on Thursday, back in studio. It's great to have you back, Lee. And a reminder, our podcast brought to you by the good people at Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Build it. Fix it for fall and winter. We guarantee you will enjoy it. Thanks for being part of our team. Tell your friends about what we're doing. Thanks for joining us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.